This is the Patriot Cause with Bud Cornwell, United States Marine Corps retired. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. Welcome, Patriots. This is The Gunny, and you're on The Patriot Cause. Today, I have a very special guest. Matter of fact, it's the very first one of his type I've ever had on the podcast. I would absolutely have a thrill interviewing any candidate of any position in the United States that wants to get on the air and talk to the constituents. And I'm so thankful for U.S. Senate candidate, Mark Mowry. He is in South Dakota, and he is a godly man that understands what's happening in America, understands what we need to do. More importantly, he has a plan. He understands what needs to happen to go to D.C., to go to that swamp, and put the realistic attitude of values back into our Senate and being part of the true constitution that America put together. Without any further ado, Mr. U.S. Senate candidate, Mark Mowry. Hello there, everyone. Hello to you, bud. Well, thank you, sir, for being on the show. We uh, talked a little bit uh, back and forth in email, uh, specifically dealing with so many issues that we have in America, so many things that people think about. and. You know, we could spend hours talking about all the the issues that are related to that. But today we're going to focus on those things, I believe, that you are dear in your heart that need to be changed. And you have the ability, becoming a U.S. senator, to go and actually do some type of impact to these changes. And one of those things that we're talking about is the difference between the ultimate battle that we're having, where the globalists are trying, basically trying and succeeding to a point to remove nationalism in the United States. So tell us about what you uh, feel about that issue. Well, it's uh, as you say, and as I say myself, that uh, this world is, uh, it's changing all the time, but uh, I think um, through recent events, we're saying that it's an accelerated change, and uh, so much, so many sectors of our society are basically uh, just leaving behind many of the things that are important. And I'm not going to say they're traditions; that that's a part of it. But actually, we're even leaving behind some truths, some inherent truths that exist in a society, and making them uh, dispensables. And I think that's the reason why so many of us now, uh, there's a, a new type of alertness uh, to see that there are forces about to try to take us down this route towards globalism. And um, 
for some, I think it was entered into innocently enough because it was convenient, it was cheap. Uh, it, uh, it just meant, yeah, a convenience, but those things have, have worked themselves now where the, the snake is coming around and biting its own tail, if I can use that analogy. Um, because now we're finding that uh, we're somewhat almost uh, hamstrung by what goes on in the rest of the world in a way that we never were before. It's shutting down our own ability to progress. Uh, it's encroaching upon our civil liberties. Uh, I'll get to that, I guess, later in the dis because there's things even closer to home and that's family. Um, the, all these things are under attack uh, because, uh, well, there are some people in, that think they've, we've finally arrived with a better way. The fundamental transformation that phrase that came up, uh, the administration, two previous to this one. Yes, sir. And the things that you're going to find when you do get elected and go to Washington is this. What, what I especially I have noticed over probably the last 10 or 12 years, really paying attention to what's happening is part of the globalist ideas and the eliteness that these people have, eliteness being their, you know, attached with all these other elite people throughout the globe. Mm -hmm. And these are the people that think in their mind that they can come together and have this utopia, peaceful, you know, world, if only they were able to stop us from nationalism and separations of countries. Here's my concern is, and other people I'll talk about this, is our government, is at a level that has never happened before in history where we're actually attaching the government to business. In other words, the, the biz, there's so many businesses and global businesses that, have, that are ingrained into legislation within our, our country that unless we get a, a big rising of great senators like yourself to go in and, and start breaking that up, start eliminating you know, the, the globalist impact in our government. Uh, I, I don't know if we, if we really have hope to go and to really going back to a sovereign national constitutional realm without the legislation changing and going back to the foundations of America. Exactly. But uh, as you're, as you're telling that too, I mean, um, there are a lot of things that have been acceptable in our society and uh, now it's going to sound like I'm picking on, you know, certain groups and sectors of, of our country. But, for example, farm subsidies. I mean, they've been around a long, long time. They've been very acceptable to the American society. However, in the long run, we see every one of these things, you know, things like that, where government and business. And then when we look at health and we look at insurance and, uh, you know, what do they call that? What kind of a cocktail is that? Right. It's, it's, a, it's a very dangerous one to true liberty, to, to the true uh, laissez-faire, you know, the capitalistic idea. But <clears throat> because some things seemed justifiable or, you know, at the time uh, and became acceptable, as I say, these things now have just, they've, you know, grown up to a place where somebody has to blow the whistle and say, stop that's enough. We have to backtrack. As difficult as that's going to be, we have to backtrack 
because um, it's begun that slide into the mill stream. Um, so we better notch up our belts. It, uh, it, I don't like to sound extremist, but at the same time, I don't like to make promises of, of a type of utopia that we're going to be able to problem solve, you know, with this genius that we have, uh, because we've seen where our genius leads us to. That, uh, our constitution is, uh, is, a, is a document that has authority and that was inspired by God Almighty. The framers and the founders recognized that. And off we launched into a constitutional republic that has survived so many threats before now. Uh, I wonder how many times in history that a country has had a great civil war divided right down the middle, and yet after a generation or two came back stronger. That does not happen in anywhere but these, America, these United States of America. It's because we have a document that you know forged uh, under the authority and inspira inspiration of Almighty God. Absolutely. Uh, I spent seven years as a government employee when I retired from the Marine Corps. And the inefficiency that I've seen in the government is extreme. And I'm a businessman. And running a business is, is really pretty simple. What I mean by that is you make money. If you don't make money, you got to figure out a way to change either the product or the service and how you're delivering it. Mm -hmm. So you get more customers and more people become trustworthy on your brand and what you're doing. The government doesn't work that way. They, their efficiency is based upon how much money and how many contracts and, you know, how far up the ladder I can go. Mm -hmm. uh, and, th and this is the issue when we're talking about efficiency. The government has nothing but bureau bureaucracy and bureaucrats. So their conceptual idea is it doesn't matter. The outcome really doesn't matter. What matters is how it affects me, how it affects my organization, how it affects my, you know, my decision making. And they just continue to, to, to do it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can sit in a medical, you can see it in government contracting where right. people are getting contracts that they don't even deserve to have the contract. They don't have the ability. They don't have the skill sets to do it. Yeah. But they, they get the contract. So it's, it's all it's, part of that. Again, trying to build up and, and create this gigantic government. Yes. And, as if, if you were trying to start your own business, the difference between success and failures many times depended upon whether you got the government contract or not. You know, tell me that isn't true out there. So, uh, you know, I won't pick on you too much for being a government employee for seven years <laughs> <laughs> because uh, actually my mother worked for the post office for many years and uh, was a, so was a postal worker. Um, however, you know, within that, um, we see, yeah, government has grown. It's the key to success. So uh, it might have seemed innocent enough. Uh, I'm, are you reading me out there <laughs> what I'm saying? Um, yeah, absolutely. You, you're pointing out the inefficiencies of that kind of thing and, and the inequities of the government coming in and sponsoring someone's business. What, what happened? to uh, you know, your own e effectiveness 
your own proficiency leading to success, your own smarts, you know, your own industriousness. Um, that's the America that's great. The other side of it, any other country can do that, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and for those in America, which is the majority, have never been to other countries and or especially work with governments of other countries mm -hmm. to, to see the difference between how our, our government functions. As far as I'm concerned, no government in, in this world is perfect. And, and we understand that. Sure. However, it is the job of the government to listen to the people, to the people that they are servicing to, not rule over them, but listen to them. That's how you improve the country. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about our finances and how the government is grown, you know, leaps and bounds, especially over the last 20 years, it's, it's just mind boggling. I mean, you think about it just in 19, what is it? 93, when Clinton was the president, we were, you know, pretty close to where we actually had a budget surplus. I, you know, when's the last time you heard that word surplus <laughs> in anywhere dealing with the, the government? Yeah. So our, you know, our GDP is, is right close to, if not below the actual cost to run this country and pay our bills. And you can't function in a country like that. So how do we work on the fiscal of, of the country other than, you know, legislators just passing money, you know, that they don't have, they just print it and create it, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, as you were talking about other countries and that kind of thing, it kind of a lead into uh, my experience. And that is my family, my wife and my kids too, experience in India for many years. Um, so if I could just take a little time sure. with that. Um, while we were in India, which is the world's largest democracy in terms of numbers, by the way, um, by the time that we had been over there uh, several successive uh, um, efforts, assignments, whatever you might call it. Um, anyway, by the time we left there, we had opened up a private limited company in India. And the first time we'd done that, actually, we never did that on over here in America, but uh, it was the best uh, strategy for working in India and earning money. And so we went ahead and followed up on that. Just want to point out that, yes, in other countries, doing business in other countries, it's quite different than when, uh, when somebody comes here and does business. Um, I can't imagine that many of the those people that have started businesses over here have anywhere near the, the amount of overhead, red tape, and everything else that we experienced. And uh, we paid a pretty hefty tax amount um, in our income over there in India. And uh, lo and behold, when we did close our business in 2014, we couldn't take our money out of there because the Indian rupee is non-convertible to the United States dollar. So we actually had to go back over there a couple of years later uh, to empty out our account, used our Indian currency, the Indian rupee to uh, pay for our flights. And we kind of went on a big shopping spree and treated some of our friends over there to a few nice you know, lunches and, and that type of thing. But uh, 
it just goes to show how, you know, we've got this open door policy. I, I imagine to the rest of the world, it probably looks pretty good, but to the American citizen, the rank and file, uh, doesn't look that good at all. It, it kind of looks like, uh, you know, as I say, an open door, uh, welcoming everything and anything does not show much wisdom, discernment, and uh, ultimately uh, comes at, at a great, great cost, both moral and, and uh, financial to our society. Well, God separated man with the Tower of Babel for a reason, because if the world becomes united, then the, the masses are going to worship the world and the people that lead it. Mm-hmm. By having a separate country, a separate entity, you have to struggle to be a national. Yep. In other words, you have to work to become a great country. Mm-hmm. If the world takes over again and the globalists have their way, right. a large percentage of the world is not going to have to do anything they're just going to be living in this world you know at at level x for instance and this is what's happening in china and this is the reason communism has such a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths is because a chinese person as they're going up through school and getting ready to go into college they're being divided by the government and basically the government says you're not smart enough to be a rocket scientist And so you're going to go retread tires. But we all know that, you know, by the time you get out of high school or going into college and you start, you know, learning, you become more mature. A lot of people have done great things for nations by not being, you know, brought down by the government, having the ability. And my mom and my dad and many people have said this over the years, a human being born in America can do and be anything they want to. And I believe that, but the government can stop that. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the the bad part about this. Mike, we're going to take, we're going to take a break. And when we get back, we're going to go right into, which I think is really important. We're talking about good versus bad, or what is the greater good? You know, what does good actually mean? And when you become the senator and you go to D.C., what are these good values that we need to re-inject into our ability to function as a great society and more, more better and even better, uh, a Senate and a House and a legislation that goes back to the foundations of the Constitution and what God gives us. So we'll be right back. Again, U.S. Senator candidate Mark Maury, we will be right back. Don't go away. <laughs> a buzzer took a monkey for a ride in the air. The monkey thought that everything was on the square. The buzzer tried to throw the monkey off his back, but the monkey grabbed his neck and said, Now listen, Jack, straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and fly right Straighten up and fly right Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top Ain't no use in diving What's the use of jiving? 
Straighten up and fly right Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top The buzzer told the monkey you were choking me Release your hold and I will set you free The monkey looked the buzzer right dead in the eye And said your story's so touching but it sounds just like a lie Straighten up and fly right Straighten up and stay right Straighten up and fly right Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top Welcome back, Patriots. This is the Gunny, and you're on the Patriot Cause. Again, very special guest. First one I've ever had, a U.S. Senate candidate. Not a South Dakota Senate, a U.S. Senate candidate that is, let me scratch my head because I haven't figured out why he wants to go to D.C. because Everybody else is trying to run from it. He's going right to it. He's going right into the fire, and I thank him so much for that. So Mark Mowry is with us here today, and we're going to continue the discussion. Mark, good. What I'm realizing and finding out is, again, this is my personal opinion, is a lot of these politicians have maybe have had the intent when they went into the legislation that the goodness that they have, the foundations that they have. And then they get into that area and the swamp grabs them and they start Mm -hmm. chipping away at the good. And the next thing you know, these people have been convinced that this is good when we know it's not, but now it becomes a regular for them Mm -hmm. in the political world. So how do you, what is your view about, you know, your foundation, your base, your, your character, your attitude when you get elected and you that night comes and next thing you know, you got to go to D.C. and show up in a big fancy suit and say, here I am. Tell us what they're getting as far as the, the goodness. Well, I hope I hope Washington, D.C. doesn't have a dress code because I don't intend to call it. <laughs> um, well, I, first thing I need to do, bud, is just to acknowledge God in all of this. Um, I read a, a book about Johann Sebastian Bach not too long ago, and I'm not even a, a classical music uh, aficionado or, or enthusiast or any of that, but I like the book. And anyway, it, that author said something about J.S. Bach that uh, kind of jumped off the page at me. My campaign for United States Senate has been bestowed upon me by my creator. 
I've been enabled to fulfill goals chosen for me, not by me. So I'm a sent one to Washington, D.C. Um, this never, I never would have dreamed that I would be uh, challenging um, the minority whip in the United States Senate. And at first I was fairly incredulous myself. Um, but I say that uh, the first time you think you've heard from God and you act on it, you could be accused of being presumptuous. But the second, third time, you might be accused of being disobedient. And especially yes. if, if I'm judged for that. So this isn't my first rodeo at trusting in God and he is faithful. Now I know I've, I've counted the costs and, and what I'm doing here, I realize they could be, they could be quite ominous and heavy, um, but I've left all that behind. I, I guess I've got, I grabbed a hold of the plow and I'm gonna try to plow a straight, a straight uh, row. So, and God so help me. Um, now I hope I, I might've lost your question and all that. <laughs> No, that's that's right, right down the alley. The, the thing about it is, is Mark, is that if you stick with the foundations, you can you, you not only can you be in the swamp and deal with it, you can change it. Mm -hmm. God's power is a lot stronger than us. And when you go there, like you're saying, send me just like Isaiah said, who's going to go, God? And he said, send me. Amen. And that's that's the attitude that uh, that a lot of these politicians have to have. We can say, mm. I'm 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 giving up my little comfort zone, the mm. little cushy place I live in, you know, the backwoods of Mississippi or wherever it is, so that I can get in the lion's den and and reach re-energize and get us back to what real good is. Mm -hmm. And that's that's only determined by God in the Constitution. And you, you uh, I don't know if it was before the break or just since the break, you mentioned about, you know, that conflict of the greater good, you know, opposing uh, what we really know internally, what we know to be wrong and right, the good and the bad. Um, so I'll get back to what's inherent, I think, in all human beings and not just Americans. Um, and I'll, I'll stress them. In, in the order what I think is important, I'll emphasize. So one of them is faith. Faith is very important to society. I think that's one of the reasons why global and elitists try to, try, try to remove it. The second one, family. I was a little louder there because I'm going to put yep. the emphasis there. And as I said before the break, I've been in India for quite a while and and among other uh, other cultures, because I was in kind of a, a international group of people quite often. Um, family is important to all societies, and you don't have to think about it very long. You know, I mean, um, the an argument against the whole idea of a nuclear family it doesn't wash in any other society. So we certainly, and so, and so we see. In this conflict of good and evil, the family is under assault. There might be some saying, "Well, how so? What do you think?" You know. Well, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna be very candid. Um, the family is a man and a woman producing children. 
Now that's not always a perfect scenario. I don't know anybody that comes from a perfect family any more than from a perfect nation, but that's instilled within us that there should be a father and a mother figure in all societies. Anytime that you move away from that, then that is beginning to deteriorate, unravel the fabric of what is inherently uh, hum being human. And so um, that's why I stand opposed to same-sex marriages. Now, uh, same-sex people can go and probably write up any kind of contract they want to have. I mean, I'm not going to stand in the way of that. But the whole idea that they would coerce someone who comes against that belief, to me, that, that that's wrong. That's, uh, that's big government. That is, uh, that is a humanistic type thought that, that is coercive. And then it gets back into the area of faith. Now you're, now you're telling me uh, to call something that I'm a, that I say is wrong. You're telling me that I need to condone it and recognize it as right. That is not mm. a free people. That is no. not freedom of speech, um, freedom of thought. So um, I'm now I'll move on to freedom. And I guess I was just using that word quite a bit, wasn't I? They mm -hmm. all seem to, to fit together quite well. And I also wanted to mention, though, while I was on the thing of the homosexual agenda, is same-sex adoption. That's why I will not condone, go along with the fact that, that there should be two male figures as the parents or two female figures as the parents. It goes against natural law. It goes against the idea of family, which is a mm -hmm. universal value. Kind of, to me, a no-brainer. But the thing is, man in his sophistication starts thinking that he can recreate, uh, as you said earlier, a utopia. And uh, no, I'm gonna go for common sense and, uh, and stand for those things. So the inherent values of the human condition, um, anything that runs against that, I'm voting no on. Awesome. The, the other thing, um, and if those of us have lived in border states like Texas, California, just 10, 10 15 years ago, the, the laws were pretty strict and determined, and were, most of them was upheld for the purpose of migration, you know, people coming into this country. But what we're seeing today with what they consider an open border policy mm -hmm. is the majority, I would say the majority of the people that want to make those trips and come here are probably good people with, with good intentions. Yeah. But is this country willing to give up uh, our safety as citizens to allow that 20, 25% of quote evil, pure evil, bad people with their mm -hmm. intents of coming here, of doing bad things. Not only how, our how, safety. How do we do yeah. Go well, ahead. Sorry. Uh, not only our safety, but I, I'm also going to say our identity because mm -hmm. the left is using all that global, you know, those global values that come in to more or less to, to elbow out as I say, the, 
those things that uh, of the American heritage that are worthy of our respect and honor. Um, yeah, we are a, a melting pot society, acknowledged. But is that really uh, you know, what's happening right now when we have these numbers of people coming over? Is anybody really thinking about a melting pot going back, reaching back into the whole fact that this is our heritage as American people? Uh, you know, and so getting back to, yes, our Declaration of Independence, uh, you know, our language, the language, uh, once again, nations have national languages. Yes, there are many other uh, languages that exist within their cultures, but they still choose a national language. And you're not going to get as far without having proficiency in the national language. That's what I've that's what I've come to see. Um, argue with me if you're wrong, but uh, in my experience, I haven't seen that. And uh, just one more thing about our borders, just I think part of our job here is, is for information. We have uh, over 14 and a half million illegal immigrants and growing at this date. No other country in the world comes anywhere near that. No other country in the world uh, has even a million illegal immigrants. France and, and the UK together might have, might have a, well, I think France is around 700 or 800,000. And the, the statistics I see in UK, they can hardly tell the United Kingdom, but uh, it's somewhere I think between 450 and 800. So you can see the difference. And don't give me this thing where America has, you know, yeah. larger, land base. Um, it's not that it's not applicable, but once again, I do believe that open borders is another way to uh, disrupt our national identity and not just a safety thing. All those, I won't dismiss safety, but who are we as Americans? Uh, that's, we're basically sluts mm -hmm. when we just allow anybody to come along and uh, and invade us in that way this well is, you know history history is not being taught in school like it should be and the re, here's my point ellis island those of us that are old enough to know that i wasn't around when it was happening because it was in the early 1900s but ellis island is a great example of this is not new people think that this this mass migration has never ever happened before you know, but but it has. Matter of fact, America during that time frame went to other nations and brought people here, paid for them to come here. This is true. The reason they did that is because the country was growing, industrial revolution, and they wanted Americans. They wanted people to help grow the country, to build it to a bigger and better society. So when they come across, go through Ellis Island. They go through the paperwork and do the things. And then they have a time frame where they have to become a U.S. citizen. If they don't, the government went back and sent them back home. No questions asked. If they committed crimes and so forth, they said, obviously, you don't fit into this culture or you don't want to be an American. Therefore, we'll send you back to Italy or France or wherever you want to go. And that's what they mm -hmm. did. Why are we not doing that today? The law allows us to do that. It's in the books 
that is how you handle immigration. It's not, right. it's not being that we don't love these people. That, that's not the thing. We would love for every migrant to come here and be good citizens and, and do great for themselves because that's what the American dream is. But to just let them come in and not have any standard or any, any requirement to be Americans is, is like you're telling it's a sad situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, um, Mark, what I want to do is move on to uh, one or two more things here. And sure. I think it's important um, that we understand when you're talking about globalism, nationalism, but the, the big, one of the biggest things that we're facing today is our own government and our own people in that government mm-hmm. having, uh, I would call, a non-patriotic nationalism attitude. Mm-hmm. And they're, they've been placed in there. They've been elected in there also, but a lot of them have been placed in there because they're, bu- they're bureaucrats. Mm-hmm. And the sign, one of the signs that we're seeing that we know that the government is trying to control the people without using due process and all that is, you know, the people that were part of the um, attack or whatever you want to call it on the Capitol building. And they are, have been in prison for months, over a year now, getting to be a year. And there's nobody doing anything about it. Now, there's a couple legislators, as you know, Senator or uh, uh, Representative Mark Markey, I can't remember her last name, but anyway, they went to the prison. They seen it. it what's oh, happening. Marjorie Taylor Greene? Yep. And, but how, how do we get the Senate and the House, the actual legislative people that are support the Constitution? These are the ones that are responsible for upholding this yeah. process, this mm-hmm. due process mm-hmm. is the legislation body. The judicial mm-hmm. system, right, is the ones that, that do it, the physical mm-hmm. part. But the legislation is the ones that make sure that the judicial system is doing their job mm-hmm. properly. What can we right. do? Well, um, had I not, um, had I gotten as far as the Capitol building, it could have been me. And who knows? It still could be me because... Yep. Uh, I didn't make it to the Capitol. Have been arrested <laughs> that they didn't get up yeah. that far, yeah. um, and so as you, as with you, uh, it's an outrage uh, that these that the detainees could be held uh, without due process. Who made up that rule, and how does that how is that valid? Um, so, you know, I, I think about it quite often, um, and. I'm not going to say that I'm entirely helpless, but once again, my representation, um, my my representatives in D.C., they have not been active at all in it. As a matter of fact, uh, the incumbent who I'm challenging, John Thune, he's the one that has spoken of uh, the protesters, and I don't even call myself a protester. I went there at a rally for my president. Anyway, he's, he's called uh, either them or the act reprehensible. And uh, I, I don't think he has all the facts or I think he's conveniently swept some of the, the facts under the rug. Um, why, why are there so many of us Americans that, that question the, the validity, the veracity of the 2020 general election? Why do we exist? Are we gonna blame Donald Trump for that? 
because uh, you know I don't I think that's a pretty you know far fetched. I, I don't think I'm that controlled by a, another human being at all. I think once again we just we look at our common sense. We we see an election full of all types of uh, you know dubious things going on. Uh, when someone tries to follow up on that with uh, our elect uh, with election contractors and election officials, rather than be met with uh, with the idea of uh, you know we'll will satisfy you, your concerns, rather, uh, they hide, they threaten with lawsuits and that type of thing. Um, so there's no reason why we should feel as though any of that's been satisfied. Our questions about the 2020 election, not while they're hiding things, then it seems like there's something to hide. So uh, once again, the, the man I'm challenging, he wanted to quickly, you know, wrap this thing up. And so was, um, influential in uh, approaching his Senate colleagues to say, let's certify this election. What was he so afraid of? I don't think, uh, ultimately, I don't think he was afraid of what happened on January 6th, or if he was, he was off based. Uh, he should have been much more concerned about the election itself. And there was, as you're probably aware, at the time of the breach that that occurred, there was a proposal for a 10-day audit of the election because there was so much uh, doubt and suspicion about the election. And once the breach happened, then that was the end of that discussion. And quickly things were wrapped up. And so uh, we're still seeing people coerced, held in solitary confinement until they make an admission that somehow they do believe that Joe Biden garnered 81 million votes. It's right up there with, uh, I think, what we talked about before, that coercing that we, that, I, that we have to admit that we condone same-sex marriage and same-sex adoption. It's right along with all those other things. Uh, and I'm speaking truth to power because that's the way I'm made. And I'm not alone. There are many mm -hmm. of us. We know what freedom is. We know the difference between that and a, a tyrannical government. And so that is why I say that we are in the final showdown for either a constitutional republic or a socialist regime. It's time to choose. Now is the time to choose before it gets any later. As a matter of fact, I don't really think that we can, that we can save ourselves from the situation we're in. It's too late for us to save our, this situation. It's not too late for us to be saved. We have to call upon God Almighty and show his mercy to mm -hmm. us for all the wrong that we've allowed to happen in this country. Um, yep. We know make that it right. we, deserve, we deserve judgment, but those of us who know God know he's full of mercy, and that's why we have to throw ourselves upon at that mercy of God. We don't have a better alternative. Yep. One more thing is this. As you know, I spent 20 years in the Marine Corps. And when you're in the military, you are, are subject to military laws, uniform code of military justice, all that. And the president of the United States is what is called the commander in chief. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Here's, here's the thing. 
A lot of people don't understand that terminology, commander in chief. What that means is he is the ultimate commander of the military. He has advisors and all that. And they help him determine how to use the military in the best response for the nation. Mm -hmm. That's what he does. What he does not have the authority to do is to tell the military what to do. And a lot of people don't understand that. We mm -hmm. are seeing an administration, and it's not just his. It's happened in the past. The reason it's happening is because, again, the legislation has a responsibility to check and balance the executive branch. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And all it would take is a handful, maybe just 10 or 12 really powerful senators to stand up and say, here is the law. Here is the responsibility of this president. Mm -hmm. The American people would stand behind it. I think the reason they're not is because they don't understand what the real role of the president as it relates to the military is. So what are your thoughts on, you know, working that issue when you get into D.C.? Well, as you uh, as you as you're talking there, but I just think of what happened with uh, the Armed Force Commander General Milley and how he was speaking to Chinese generals behind the commander in chief's back. I mean, no wonder people are confused for one thing. When we've got that kind of situation, where was the hue and cry there? And yeah, where were our legislators? Once again, deeply disappointing. Um, we've somehow seen the legislative branch become weaker and weaker due to executive orders, judicial decisions, and just allowed it to happen. Uh, where are the constitutional scholars there on that? But, uh, you know, give, give the enemy an inch, he'll take a mile, right? And so, and this is true of human nature. How do we get that back? I mean, I wish I could tell you, you, you made the, the remark, you know, some strong senators leading, well, if, it, if I am strong and I believe I'm strong in spirit, but I don't know where, you know, there's a pecking order in Congress that's, uh, well, once again, it's human nature. I don't know how mm -hmm. I scramble to that area where I have an authoritative voice. I can only just say that I'm going to keep my eye on the ball and uh, I'm going to look for others because I don't believe that I'm alone in this whole fight to get our country back, yes. to put America first and what that, what that stands for. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Mark, tell the listeners, where can they go to find more about you and learn about your campaign and help you out, whether financially or, you know, if somebody in South Dakota wants to volunteer for your campaign, how do they how do they actually reach you? Mm -hmm. OK, uh, well. First of all, I'll tell you some of those needs. I mean, besides financial, very soon now, within the new year, we'll be uh, circulating petitions uh, for my candidacy. So those Republican uh, uh, petition signatures, they'll be circulating, and we need about 1,800 of them by registered Republicans. 
I realize I'm speaking to an Alabama here. It's <laughs> uh, okay. But nonetheless, if we, uh, well, it's something people can pray about. And if they can do something about. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm speaking to the South Dakotans that might be listening in. Uh, that That's important. Sign if you're a registered Republican for Mark Maury for United States Senate in the Republican primary. Um, we have a webpage, bud. It's www.maury. That's M-O-W-R-Y for Senate.com. I'll say it one more time. www.mauryforsenate.com. And that will lead you to our webpage where you can find out more about my candidacy, my background, and the reason why I'm challenging the minority whip currently in Washington, D.C., I want to add awesome. one more thing. Uh, you know, I've never run for office before, bud. So I have a perfect mm -hmm. record as a politician. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> never lost. Absolutely. Um, yep. But, but I think uh, these are special times with, with special circumstances. And uh, that's why I'm not so sure that you call this a strange phenomenon. Yeah. But rather, yeah. maybe this is the way things are, are meant to be. And, and I think that's important. I, I really do. I, I, every time, I meet politicians or going to be politicians that have never held any kind of office and they're joined, they're being geared or, or driven by the, by the Lord to go. And, you know, they just had enough and said, well, look, I can go do a better job than that. <laughs> and I'm just, I pray all the time. Really. I do that this 2022 election, that there's going to be, you know, at least a dozen or so, if not more people just like you that says, I'm just an American citizen that has an interest in changing and getting our country back to the values that, that what they are. Also on the podcast, I will also put a link to, to your website. So you can go for the listeners on the podcast that didn't get to see the video can go and find information about Mark. And this is a godly, awesome individual that has the character necessary to jump in with both feet in the swamp just hopefully you don't drown the first day, <laughs> Mark, and and actually start helping to uh, to work together with not just the Republicans. And you know what I'm talking about, Mark, to, to, to get everybody in that swamp area. They need to understand we have mm -hmm. values and characters that to, to, to support the American people that we cannot budge against. And we need to start working to build that back. Mm -hmm. I've been prompted here, bud, along with our needs. Sure. I've shown a dollar sign here. <laughs> My <laughs> campaign manager doesn't want me to walk by this one. So uh, sure. a lot of our drive right now, uh, we want to have some billboards, big billboards. We have two interstates running through our state. And so that's one of our goals is to put this friendly face, you know, up on a 24 foot by 12 foot lighted billboard so that People say, hey, what's up? You know, something's happening here um, in the Senate race. Um, so in the meantime, we're having a great time going all around South Dakota, uh, just going around and meeting America first people. I call them patriot, people with patriot devotion that, uh, and as I said, they're, they're much in the majority uh, that I'm seeing among the South Dakotans that I meet and it's refreshing and it's, well, it's my privilege to get to awesome. meet people like that. Well, the good news is 
because of our, our laws, anybody can contribute to your campaign. They don't have to live in South Dakota. And oh, yeah. many, many Americans have done that before to support campaigns in other states that are really, you know, needed. And so I'm asking all the listeners, it doesn't matter what state you're in, you know, just don't be in a you know state of confusion because <laughs> you got to be able to push the button and or at least mail in a check or something. So right. and no matter what state you're in, reach out if, if you find it in your heart and God is is tasking you to, to help Mark in his campaign. I, I guarantee you it's going to it's, it's, it's going to come back to you tenfold when he goes in the Senate, because he's going to be fighting, not just for South Dakota, he's going to be fighting for every American in every state. That's right. Amen. Yeah. Any, any last remarks, Mark, before we uh, tune out? Um, well, I'm sure we could talk a lot longer, but uh, everybody's got their limits. And, yeah, we can, uh, I can have you come back. We can, we can get you oh, come back again. No problem. Wonderful. Well, let's see what your your viewers say about that. Okay. And I and it's uh, but it's been my pleasure uh, to uh, to meet you personally. And uh, all I can say is God bless America. God bless you. God bless you, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on the Patriot Cause. And again, let's pray for Mark that God will reach everybody out there and help him out. Because I believe in his heart, he is going into the lion's den with a pure heart and a pure character to help save our country. And I thank you very much from the bottom of my heart, Mark. And I hope you have a happy new year and get there. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. All right, sir. We will talk to you later. Okay. Bye, everybody.